Yo, what's going on? Uh, this is Akees, one of the hosts of Columbus Can't Wait. Um, before we get to the show, I just wanted to make a really quick announcement. Um, we have been nominated for a Columbus Podcast Award in the category of Society and Culture. So first and foremost, on behalf of myself and Taria, thank you to whoever nominated us. Um, we appreciate all the support and the love that we get from everybody that listens to our podcast every week. Um, and if you are enjoying the show, if you're listening to it, um, go ahead and give us a vote. And go to ColumbusPodcastAwards.com. Go over to Podcast Categories. We're in the Society and Culture section. Uh, so yeah, go ahead and give us a vote. If you support this podcast, you can vote once a day, I believe, all the way up until voting is done. Um, and again, if you were the one that nominated us, we really appreciate you. And we appreciate everybody that's listening to it. And with that being said, we're going to get into this week's episode. Yo, this is Akis. And this is Taria. And you're listening to Columbus Can't Wait. Either do politics. Our politics do you. This is uh, Columbus Can't Wait. You know, man, we already got the little intro music or whatever, but we do have a very special guest, um, and we're in a special location, so um, we are standing, in, well, sitting in front of Ernest Levert of the Royal Oak Initiative. Uh, we are in his shop, which we're going to be talking about today, you know, because this is season four. We are talking about black spaces, and um, if I do say so myself, like, Ernest is probably one of the most interesting people in Columbus, uh, so I, I think that we're in for a real treat. And um, I'm just excited for the conversation, honestly. Can I ask a question? I just can't help myself. Let's get it. <laughs> so you said your dad's from Cleveland. Yep. Your talk about it. His name is Levert. Come on, Are say you it. A Levert. I mean, you just answered the question. <laughs> He's a Levert. Levert. Yeah. You know what's wild? You know what's wild? Come on. Yeah. Turn up. Turn up. I was a Levert, so I knew what being a Levert meant. Uh, so much so that the OJs came to Columbus and Eddie wasn't even there, and I just left. Oh, that's like all that you wanted to see was Eddie. I mean, I grew up like some of my earliest memories was sleeping at concerts. I I was so young on my mom or dad's shoulder at these OJ's concerts. You know, like I grew up like hearing about it. Uh, So this was one of the first times the OJ's came to a city where I was the only one there. My dad wasn't there. So I'm like, I'm definitely going to pull up in there. Uh, got in there, got a ticket super last minute because we're kind of used to getting in there, you know, all in the Levert discount. Yeah, oh, okay. And uh, I just, I was like, I'm just going to pay for a ticket. I wrote a Kogo up there and got in there and they were like, Eddie's not here. And I was like, what? Oh my God. So I just pulled That's out. So That's hilarious. I mean, and it's so, it's so interesting when you think about like, and you listen to um, Eddie Levert's voice and his son, Gerald Levert's voice, they sound so similar. And man, growing up in in the Cleveland area, it's just like, that's why I'm smiling because there's so many like good memories of their groups and their evolution in music. And then of course, when um, Gerald Levert passed, it was in his brother too, it was very sad. Hey, so as, when I saw your last name, I was like, I wonder if he's a Levert, so awesome. <laughs> Mike, check, check, check. Yeah, yeah. I remember the day uh, Gerald passed, but I also have pictures of me in all stages of evolution. Man, I was a quirky kid for sure, uh, and, and I still got a picture with Gerald. But, but yeah, man. So I've been a Levert since I knew what being a Levert was. Um, I shout shout out to you for knowing what that means. You know, kids these days don't even know who they are. Um, have you ever met him? Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. You know, my. You said he was asleep at the concerts. 
Yeah, but I didn't know he was saying like sweet nah, at their concert. I thought you were just saying like you're a concert goer. No, no, no. I'm not, I'm actually not a concert goer at all. But uh got you, But got yeah, you. no, we, we did go to, to OJ's concerts. We were at you know, OJ uh Football Hall of Fame when they, they got inducted. Um but do yeah, me, I know Do me a favor real quick Can you just tilt it up a little bit And tilt it down too much I apologize We don't talk about Ohio's Rich music history Enough? We don't get into that enough on the show Which I don't know why we would But a lot of people don't know that So Man, A little listen. quick thing for y'all After season four Like we have to get more into like politics And like you know Talk about all the, the shit That's happening in Ohio right now But I do see a future season Of Columbus Can't Wait being focused on like the arts and the culture here in the city and the in narrative. the state. Yeah. I would argue that this, that we've already had seasons focused on culture. No, I know. I'm saying like a. And arts. You think so? Yeah. I mean, we've had a lot of like. Like over this. Yeah. But I, I think that that was more. Mainstays. On like the space and, and what's yeah. currently going on right now and not a lot about like the history. And okay, I would agree with that. Yeah. yeah, I think we could stand to do yeah. a season. On yeah, that, season so. eight coming soon. <laughs> oh, season right. eight. Next is five. Oh, my right. gosh, can't believe it. Well, right, listen, y'all. I'm so happy and excited for season five and six, but I'm also like dreading it because I feel like we're gonna we're really gonna peel back some Man, layers. Shit been going downhill. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like shit's really shit real. is going downhill, and it's crazy. <laughs> This when people like I think that you and I talked about this when we started doing this podcast was that we wanted it to be like a time capsule, and mm. it is it is really like legit turning into that because we started in 2020, and the things that have happened since then, Bruh. it feels like just it, it's it's crazy. So yeah, I think <laughs> I think we're getting what we wanted. Yeah, facts. So super facts. <laughs> Yo, before we started recording, everyone was like, yo, I, I just love microphones. Like, my inner kid is in me and everything. I'm like, yo, this is beautiful. I wish that we had a camera right now just so y'all could see how excited, like, Ern is. Like, well, and, uh, and oh, yeah, you actually here. listen to our show. So it's always nice when we have people on who, who have listened to, like, a bunch of our shows or, like, fans of the show and are, excited, are just as excited to be here as yeah. we are excited to be, like, interviewing you. And I know... When Malcolm said that he wanted to have you on the show, he sort of described what you were doing. Mm. And I've always thought that I've never played really played chess, but I've always thought whop, whop. that I know, right? You've never played. It's like kind of weird to like. Do you know how to play? Mm-mm. Oh wow! Okay, I'm not really a game player. No, this is gonna be interesting. This is gonna like, be. I don't. Like, and when people are playing like any kinds of like, I like Scrabble. That's a game. That's about it. And I haven't played Scrabble in a long time. You see, chess ain't really a game. Anything that's life. competitive, I don't love. So I would observe. Like, I would sit here and observe mm. other people playing, but I would not usually. I, that's that's just my personality. I would rather observe. Even, even I, I even go down to, like, baby showers. When people are playing games at baby showers, I usually don't participate. I just observe. Mm. For my own research, where does that come from? <laughs> Unpack that a little bit. because I don't know. That kind of t- talks about the intention of this space. But. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't. Sometimes I think, <laughs> like, pe- people being competitive creates discord and I'm a Libra mm. and I like harmony so I'm just like I won't I won't participate in that but I'll just mm. you know I'll just watch yeah, so yeah 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 so that's maybe that's what it is I don't know mm-hmm, nobody's mm. ever really asked me to unpack that 
Yeah, no, it's, it's it's really important, man, because um, you know I appreciate being here and, and kind of talking about the intentions for for what we're building. Uh, for me, you know, we're here sitting in the Cooperative Chess Cultural Center, the Four C's. I call it the Fork. Um, for those who have played chess before, Fork is a move. It's a tactic in chess where you can target two pieces, two squares at the same time, right? So we're accomplishing multiple things at once. Mm -hmm. That is the purpose of the fork. It's also one of my favorite poems by Robert Frost, Road Less Travel, right? Mm -hmm. It's a fork in the road. You have, life is about making decisions, making choices, and committing to the choices you made, right? And so figuring out how do you tap into wisdom and wellness when you're making decisions. But the other part for me is, you know, and we'll kind of uh, dovetail back into some of the things that y'all talked about on previous episodes, but the idea of who's not in the room, mm. right? That's one of the biggest things for me in this chess space and really what I'm trying to do in life uh, as far as building culture, specifically for black people in this stage of my life. Because um, I think there's sometimes you just got to dig into to your experience um, is asking who are, who's not in the room. When you go into a lot of traditional chess spaces, uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll take a couple of steps back and talk about history in a second and, and not too long. Um, when you look around most traditional chess spaces, you're gonna see, you're gonna walk in, you're gonna see a bunch of grandmasters on the wall. You're gonna see a bunch of folk throughout history who have made it to the top of the chess game. Mm-hmm. And you know who you're not gonna see on that wall? You're oh. not gonna see a lot of black folk. Right. You're not gonna see a lot of women. Mm-hmm. You're not gonna see no trans folk. <clears throat> you're not gonna see people with a lot of different abilities uh, physically. Right, you're gonna see a lot of privilege on the wall. Mm-hmm. And, and so for me, it was big on, I grew up playing chess, and chess is a part of black culture, period, right? What do you mean by that? Oh, thank you for the question. Um, we have always enjoyed playing games. We've always thrived on connecting with each other. We enjoy tapping into our basic humanity, right? It, there is some competitive spirit, right? That's, that's what we needed to evolve. Like we, that is a survival mechanism. Um, but we also have balance. So I shout out to you for your balance. You know, for, so to answer my own question, part of it was making space for someone like you who doesn't yearn for competition, who doesn't have something to prove through battle, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're still very much a warrior, but it, you just fight different. Mm-hmm. So how do we make space for that? With, and, and, you know, I'll go as, so as far as say without being toxic with the, comp- with the competitiveness. Right. A lot of people grew up playing, where they, they go their whole life not playing spades because... If you touch that space table and you even think about using the R word, right, renege, uh, you get kicked out the house, right? Like you get kicked <laughs> off the planet. And you, right. You, you know, so, you know, shout out to the Citadel episode because we literally at that Juneteenth, we was teaching people how to play spades. I and, love that because that's like a thing, right? It's like if you don't know how to play spades at a certain age, like people will like, they don't want to teach you. They that's want to judge you. Yeah. Like, Dang, but like, and yeah, that's like, exercise for And they try to strip your blackness too. Yeah. yeah. Like you don't know how to play yeah. space, bro. Yeah, that's pain talking, yeah. right? And you know, and that's that's part of my my journey even through. Um, and Malcolm, you you mentioned that I'm one of the most interesting people. I would love to hear more about what you you mean by that because mm. I think that would tell a lot about how this space came to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so know, what do you mean, Malcolm? I would say that. Yeah, and it's crazy because before we started recording, uh, Tria asked like how it's been uh, watching each other um, evolve. Both, both me and Ern are um, we're both alphas. Well, spring twelve, he came through Kappa chapter. I came through Omicron Row, and um, oh, six out. That's the Ohio State University and Capital mm. University. Yeah, for we, the folks that don't um, know, we didn't have to say alphabet. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know that's wild because I'd much rather claim Omicron Row than claim Capital. And I'm sure Ern probably feels similar about like Kappa versus OSU, but I digress. Um, just seeing 
him change and evolve over times. Um, I say that Ernest is probably one of the most present people that I've ever met mm. and intentional about like being present in the moment. Um, That's a lost art. And he hasn't always been like that, I wouldn't say. Okay. Not that like he was devoid of presence, but it was it hasn't always been like, yo, this is really important for me to like be right here in this moment. You know what I mean? Like and you divested from some things and that's why you're who you are now. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, that's I a mean, perfect way to describe it. And one of my favorite quotes, man, I remember being in the mall in like eleventh grade, Vista Ridge Mall. I'm from Dallas and uh, North North of Dallas from the suburbs, you know, because it's like Cleveland. You don't claim yeah. Cleveland, you're not really from Cleveland. Don't claim like, Atlanta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. not Atlanta, <laughs> right? It's not Atlanta. <laughs> Louisville is not Dallas, right? <laughs> um, but I remember there, in, in, on, they had this, you know, you walk into a room and they got the little thing hanging from the door with different things on it. And, and one of my favorite quotes was just, uh, the past is, sorry, the, um, the present is the greatest gift you could ever have, to paraphrase it, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that was really... Re- Required for my own self-regulation. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I won't get too deep into the mental health journey, man, but um, after doing a stand with medication, coming off it and learning how to regulate, like the present was all that we have. We can't live in the past. We can't live in the future. I always say uh, if anxiety lives in the future and depression lives in the past, then if you are present, you'll be a stranger to both. Mm-hmm. Right? The present is the only way to escape anxiety and depression. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, I was just telling you earlier that I was like anxious about something that's happening tomorrow. I'm anxious about it because I'm not in the moment. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering about, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? What's happening tomorrow? What did I miss out on? Um, no, we'll my daughter is getting on a plane oh, okay. without me. I didn't know so it about just that. makes me anxious. But yeah. like what he's saying is true. If I was just grounded in the present moment, call her on the phone, talk to her, she's there, she's fine, like then I, I, would, I would likely feel a lot less anxiety. Mm-hmm. I remember the quote. So the past is history, tomorrow is a mystery, and today is a gift. That's why they call it the present. Mm. Um, yeah, that sounds like a Kanye quote. Oh, my gosh. My presence is a present. Oh, gosh. Where past. do you think he got it from? Everything is recycled, bro. There ain't nothing new under the sun. That's facts. That came from the book of the Christians. <laughs> the book of the Christians? <laughs> I, always be saying the the Bible? Of, I always say the book of faces, so I just had to, had to remix wait, it. Wait, are you talking about the Bible for real? Yeah. Oh, it's a scripture. Ecclesiastes. Oh, okay. That's, that's that, that cover to cover three times. Mm-hmm. You start yeah. just I'm talking you about, bro. You start just spitting stuff out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is crazy, bro. I'm, I'm really humble. Anyways, go ahead. No, nah, we, we, we all good, man. Um, yeah, so the evolution is, is why we are here. Right. Um, you know, we were kind of talking earlier about my upbringing. For those who don't know me, what up, though? Ernest LeBert, a.k.a. Earn Money. Kind of transitioning out of really Earn Money. I'm out of and back into that space. I was there's a okay. period of time where I was like, man, don't call me Earn Money. I don't want That's... nothing to do with money. My relationship with money was real rocky. And I was like, I don't nothing to do with it. Why I, was it rocky? Why was it rocky? Let's yeah. talk about it. Right. So grew up Dallas, Texas, born in the 90, in 90, December 90s. Uh, Swagaterius, you know what I'm saying? And uh, Swagaterius. You can tell I'm a 90, you know, I came up in the 90s and the early thousands when swag was a thing. But anyways, um, yeah, grew up. My mom's a doctor. My dad's an engineer. They, my dad's from Cleveland. My mom's from Columbus. They had humble beginnings. They met at Ohio State, bounced around. They both in the military. My mom ends up in Texas. Where I was born and clean for hood. Um, by the time my mom got out the army, when I was around two, we bounced up to Dallas. Right, grew up in the predominantly white suburbs of Dallas. Um, and, you know, being my dad from Cleveland, my mom from Columbus, 
my mom tells me that uh, she grew up with like the Martin Luther King ideology, right? There was very much, we don't talk about Malcolm X, like we're not on that. We don't like get your education, go to church, do the right things, assimilate, you'll be cool. Respectability. Mm-hmm. You feel me? Yeah, you be, yeah. respectability, you'll be cool. Um, and it's interesting even talking about this uh, just because of where I'm at in the life and the divergence in the, the evolution, right? Yeah. So fast forward, go to Ohio State, I'm studying biomedical engineering. I was like, oh my God, that's a lot of syllables. Biomedical engineering, it's like eight syllables. You must be really smart. I'm like, that has nothing to do with my intelligence, yo. Uh, well, it has a little bit, a little bit. I'm about to say, everybody can't just be a biomedical engineer. You know? I, I disagree with that statement, man. Um, I, okay, I, I, I think enough. there's so many people who don't know what they're capable of if they were given everything that everyone else was given. Uh, if everyone right. was given a chance, and even what, what defines the standard of being a biomedical engineer, and I'm not like trying to come at you, but this is like nah. something I, I'm deeply passionate about. Like early on in my career, I'm like, yo, you communications, you finance, you art, yo, that's dope. But don't you think knowledge yourself, it also speaks to your ability to do something or not be able to do something? Yeah, and, right, and that's part of the journey, right? So coming, I picked engineering, uh, being very present. I got in trouble. My, my parents was like, you can't go out this weekend until you pick a major to study and apply for in school. And I was like, all right, you an engineer, you a doctor, I'm just combine that and <laughs> pick biomedical engineering. <laughs> and at the same time, I was also really fascinated by the body. The body's so mm-hmm. super dope to me. Like it's a, the more, a, a miraculous machine. It's a yeah. walking miracle, man. Like yeah. it's crazy what the body can do. And then you talk out the brain, the mind, man, both. <laughs> Blows my mind, right? Um, I got a I got an MRI of myself, or I had headaches in like second grade or something like that. My mom had me get an MRI, and I saw a picture of my brain, and I took it to school for show and tell. Changed the game, so I was always fascinated with the brain. I was like, how does this little combobulation of of neurons and tissues make us? full human beings. And these are talking about psychology, spirituality, philosophy. Um, anyway, so long story short, I thought I was going to go into neuroscience. And I just, and then when I got this college, my, one of my first engineering classes, I was like, oh, this ain't it. I'm actually fascinating. It, I think the topic is fascinating, but I, I never really thought about a career. People are like, what did you want to be when you grow up? I'm like, I didn't want to be anything. I was already who I wanted to be, which was human. Yeah. There are things that I want to explore. So if you say, yo, what do you want to explore when you get older? That's a, I think that's a more accurate question. Like, what are you curious about? Yo. What draws you? What pulls you? Man, you would activate what's in me. Like, I was talking to the young folk today. Uh, about what education means. The root word of education, educate means to bring out, mm. right? That is the purpose of education is to bring out your greatness. You have to expose people to different things to figure out what speaks to them, what resonates with them, right? And our kids don't have enough of opportunities to be exposed That's facts. to a lot of different things, mm-hmm. whether it's because of access. Well, a lot of it is literally just That's access. literally it, yeah. And so they don't have a chance to find out who they really are because mm-hmm. they don't get a chance to really explore, like you just said. Mm-hmm. Access it's and tragic. exposure. That's the thing, yeah. And, and, so, and most of the jobs that we have, we never even heard about when it was coming up. Yeah. Right? right. So it, it's just, for me, it's about exploring. You know, one of my other favorite quotes is, not all those who wander are lost. Mm. Right? Somebody had to, quote unquote, discover things for themselves. Right? We always say, I discovered it for the world. Like, no, nah, there were already people there. Right? Not a Columbus out here. You, yeah, yeah, yeah. You got the, the first shot, time, right? Um, they discovered it for themselves. Right? And so exploring. I always think about how do people discover foods? Like, who fried mm. an egg the first time? Who was like, mm. let me put this and, and <laughs> overheat? Yeah. And like, I, I know that's crazy to think about. I, was about who I think about first. that kind of stuff all the time. Who had the first edge up? Right, bro. Think about that. Who said that was cool? About that, and it. Somebody said. Damn, bro. You ain't gotta put me on the spot. I saw the meat too. (laughs) 
sunny listen. I was just pretending like that was, that was me. You know what I'm saying? I just Columbus said. Well, we must have yeah. we must have been on the same algorithm when that yeah, happened. That's crazy. <laughs> but yes, like I didn't I I think about that too. Like yeah. the things that I'm fascinated by. Like, man, who was the first person to discover that if you did this thing, this thing will happen? And niggas will fuck with it. Yeah. You know right. what I'm saying? And not even who was the first to, I mean, there there is the first to discover, but also who was the first to get credit for it. Mm. Right behind you got this list of known and unknown black inventors, mm. right? Did they get credit for their inventions? Were they the first to really do it? What's the narrative? You right. Know? Mm. That's yeah. that's also interesting. For that's me. facts. Not no, that go, is yeah. not to go too side. No, no that's really but interesting. No, right. But you were talking about though how we got here and like your evolution as a person and how we got to ROI. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So you know, one of you know, tossing flowers back. Um, not even tossing flowers back, but. Just reciprocating, reflecting, right? Is that Malcolm's a, a, a dude who can move through a lot of different circles without yeah. losing sight of who he is? I was not expecting him to throw it back on me, bro. Pause, but you know. <laughs> Fast forward, my guy. Edit that out, man. <laughs> <laughs> I just wasn't expecting him to like be like, oh yeah, let me talk about Malcolm. But anyways, go ahead. It's all good, bro. That's <laughs> right, you know. Uh, anyway, no, I was just saying like him saying that and then him saying pause. It just don't even need to be. Just edit it out. And that's bro. why we fast. Forward. Because we're anti-homophobic, man. So, anyways, Jesus, <laughs> hit play, man. No pauses here. Um, anyways, being able to move through different circles, I think, tells you where you come from, right? You know the Sankofa phrase: if you look back to where you come from, that tells you where you're going. Mm-hmm. And so, being able to absorb and make space for all the different cliques, circles, cultures in Columbus really speaks to my journey, right? So, came through Ohio State, came out, and at Ohio State, I don't even want to acknowledge this part. Um, growing up in a predominantly white area, you know, we talked earlier about growing in the black church. There was a lot of cognitive dissonance. There's a lot of identity crisis. And I was the kind of person, I'm pretty intense, man. I read a book about living with in- intensity. I, if you tell me this is the right thing to do, I'm going to go hard on it. I'm going to sit down and reprogram my subconscious, right? Some of my favorite movies is The Matrix and Inception, right? That you can really change. Well, I believe that those movies reflect some of the nature of who we are. We can change who we are at our subconscious level. That when you are in a crisis situation, when you go into survival mode and your conscious brain turns off, that's when your 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 true self comes out. Mm. Your animal instincts come out, right? When you're when you're pressed, when scarcity is smacked in your face, right? There's a Jay Z bar for that, like, and I'm not even like making a joke about it. Um, in Renegade, it's okay. like I had to hustle back to the wall, Ashy Knuckles, and everything, and like it showed you like who you are and what you're made of. Yeah, yeah, it, it's real, man. It's evolution, it's, it's survival, but. Anyways, um, flash forward to ROI, right? So we're at the Royal Oak Initiative uh, hub, heart, um, you know, very adjacent to the center of the city, just left of center if you, well, yeah, Esau. Why'd you no, choose this location? That's right. The location chose me, for real. Okay. It, it called us. Um, so we were, for those who are listening, we're sitting right across from Upper Cup Coffee, the cultural headquarters damn near uh, uh, in in, in the city, man. It's a real estate house right there. Yeah, Mm -hmm. we, oh man, say that again. No, it's facts. We uh, we talked about if anyone drops into the city and they own the vibe, right, it's not for everybody. And that's what I love about it is you'll very quickly figure out whether you want the vibe or not. Yeah, that's facts. And Upper Cup is super dope just on the product alone. People come there for the coffee, you know, got Ethiopia, Guatemala, all all the just good coffee. I haven't drank coffee in like five, six years, right? I'm, I go in there and get my chai latte every time, which is why like the, everyone's like, "Oh, you want to get coffee?" I was like, "I don't drink coffee." But anyways, mm-hmm. it's super dope for the coffee alone, but also it's the people. It's the mm-hmm. it attracts the stereotypical coffee house goer. It's the people who grab, go there for the drink, for the caffeine, for the for the boost, 
and stick around for the intellectual stimulation. It's physical and mental stimulation all wrapped in one. So the space we're in right now is literally across from Upper Cup Coffee Parsons. And our intention for the space was to be an extension of that. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I think back coach, uh, coach Keith Neal was in here, the real deal coach Keith Neal, um, who's one of the, my giants in my life who, who I encountered early on in my, my journey of self journey of discovery and journey of chess in Columbus. But we just processed in here today that the reason why we were even at upper cup was because there was a chess table outside and the old heads was playing. Mm. It was him and Franco just sitting outside and all of us young guns was like, yo, I have an affinity for chess. I got a relationship with the game. These are people who enjoy thinking for fun. These are people who got excess mental resources that need to go somewhere, right? I can give all that I got and still got more left. What do I do with it? I turn it into a game, Mm. right? And as long as there's not that toxicity in the in the competitive nature of that space, then I I, I'm going to give what I got. Right? We enjoy giving before we forget that giving becomes transactional when you're conditioned and programmed and you don't. You know, defend your mind. Anyways, long story short, we're the uh, coach and Franco are playing outside. I pull up on them. I'm like, oh, this is where the chess goes down, mm-hmm. right? Real green. Uh, I don't know if I got my behind handed to me on that day, mm-hmm. but it did happen over the next five, six years. And, and that culture just built, right? So well, part of it was recognizing that there was a lot of people who played, man. One of my theories is one out of 10 people know how to play. Sorry, one out of five people know how to play and one out of 10 people enjoy playing the game. And I think that we can't just get past the fact that chess is like an integral part of your life and your existence. Like, oftentimes, like, when Erwin wants to have a meeting, I invite him over to the crib or like, yo, come over, Sands, or blah, blah, blah. It's like, all right, bet. And he walks in. Most people like ask for a beer or whatever. Maybe we'll have one of those. But he pulls out his chessboard that he brought with him. And he mm-hmm. said, oh, we're going to play chess while we're talking. And I was like, dog, I thought it was just whatever. <laughs> whatever you know what I'm saying? And so Run it. like him walking up to Upper Cup and seeing chess outside of it, it it's not something that, that wasn't the, the serendipity moment from like, oh, maybe, you know, chess should become part of me. Like that was already something that you did. And it was part of you. Yeah, yeah you told me you started playing chess when you were a kid, right? Yeah, but I fought it for a long time. I was like, man, do I want to be the chess guy? I really don't want to be the chess guy. It wasn't until like a year <laughs> ago. That, yeah, I was like, all right, I'm cool with this because it, one, I got to reframe. You know, I talked to the young folk. We, we use every chess piece on the board to talk about an element of leadership. Right and, and collective leadership. There's a difference between individual and collective leadership for those who are not familiar. But one of the things we talk about is attitude and determining what you see, focusing on the potential and the opportunity. And I'm like, man, the same way we give credit to football, basketball, track, volleyball, soccer, whatever. What if we gave that much credit to people using their minds for fun? What if thinking and applying your full mental power was sexy? What if that was attractive? What if that was celebrated? What if that was what got paid, got you paid? And, and in a way, it does, mm-hmm. right? But it's not yeah. part of. It's not celebrated. It's not cultivated. It's not amplified in the culture currently. And, and I say it in a condensed way. It's very disparate. It's very spread out, right? So you'll see uncle or auntie, or cousin playing chess, and you're like, all right, that's dope, mm-hmm. right? Or or Teresa <laughs> said, uh, you know, it's chess not checkers, or you know, isn't chess about strategy? Like, yeah. So we get these little tidbits. We get these samples. Mm-hmm. But where do you go to really tap in? And that's what my thing with Upper Cup was there are so many dope people in general who need to be around each other. Mm-hmm. So for me, this was an exercise in organizing, mm-hmm. right? A lot of my friends was like, you know, in the organizing space and they were like, we've been doing this for a minute. And I'm like, okay, well, I want to learn how to do it. They're like, bro, you've been doing it too. Right. What you're doing in the chess space, organizing is about bringing people together, period, mm-hmm. right? That's it. 
Um, and so, exploring ideas, right? Yeah. Yeah, so seeing them playing over there and seeing all the chess players coming in there, I'm like, there's a lot of us, but we don't ever meet at the same time. I was just salty. I'm like, I would always walk in right after a game ended. Or when people like, oh, I, can, can I get a game? And they're like, no, I'm leaving. I got somewhere to be. And I'm like, when do we need to meet? So I just was like, F it, man. I'm going to just figure out a time. We did a tournament in December 2019. And it was super dope seeing everyone come together. Mike, the owner of Upper Cup, and then Coach and Franco, and everybody just put in. And we put a, a sign-up list because we also wanted to honor the culture of the space. Yeah, There's a lot of traditional players, and we'll get kind of get into that a little bit. Um, it is the disconnect at worst, but the tension between the traditional and non-traditional chess spaces. Mm-hmm. Right, the same way, Tree, you say you didn't feel comfortable, or it, part of it is maybe you just didn't resonate with this super competitive space like playing games because it can be a lot of trash talking, it's got a lot of your feelings in there. But there's also tension um, between the folk who just want to be around other people right. and folks who got something to prove. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so part of it was just honoring the culture that we already had at Upper Cup and creating an extension of that. Right. And really how we ended up here just to tie the ribbon on it is we just started off doing meetups in like January of 2021. And we just did it every two weeks. At first I was trying every week. I was like, that's not good self-regulation, Aaron. Back it down. Right. Took a hiatus and then came back and like, we're going to do it every second and fourth Sunday for those who want to pull up second Mm -hmm. and fourth Sunday. Um, and it just out, it it just grew really fast. It's, there were sometimes I was there by myself and I'll just pull up a book or just play myself for real. But then it got to the point where there was a chessboard on every table in the coffee shop. And I was like, nice. whoa, there were people pulling up with their families, with their kids, with their partners, with their coworkers, with their friends. People started telling people about it. Yeah. And it got organic. And I'm like, oh, this is culture. Because mm-hmm. yeah. that's been my whole thing with politics, mm-hmm. with everything, is it comes down to culture. And culture is whatever you do collectively, consistently. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, and seeing that, I, and also, hold on, wait, wait, wait! Don't just get past that that definition or whatever. Like he's yeah. like interviewing himself. Like, yeah, he haven't really said anything. Yeah, I was you, gonna say that is, during the intros that like, we're not even gonna talk I'm that just, much. Or Ernest is gonna go. You know, he's gonna flow. So, oh. what are your? I do have a question though. Yeah, yeah. And it's off of kind of what you're saying about you know building culture. Do you have like a set of like? Rules when people come in here in terms of like how they're supposed how you would like to see people interact with one another and like how you want to keep the energy in here. Mm-hmm. Yo, shout out to Malcolm for being uh, such a poet. I don't like using the word rules because rules are only as strong as their enforcement. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and so for we me, talk about it. We have a code. We always say code. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I call them. I call them standards, right? Mm-hmm. Standards of conduct, community expectations. Mm-hmm. Right. And so for when you come into the space, I say I normally say there are three rules because people understand that, but they're not rules because I'm not going to kick you out. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to correct you. Right. right. Rule number one is you got to know each other's names because names are important. Mm-hmm. Literally this morning I was working with the young people and I was like, yo, hand me that little pointy piece. And there were at least three pieces that look pointy. And I'm like, all right, now hand me a bishop. And they were very specific about which piece they needed to move. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to really lay out the whole agenda, but I think it's very important that we learn these mental habits when it that way, when a crisis shows up, we know how to respond. We know how to, yo, Malcolm, I need you to do this. Tariq, I need you to do this. Like, we talking about delegation, naming, and claiming. Anyways, uh, names are important. And also, name, like, call people what their mama called them. Right. right. Don't ask them what their nickname is off rip. Let them offer the nickname. Names are important. Names have meaning. Like, my daughter's name is Zamaya. Her name means blooming flower. Mm. And she is reminding me that flowers bloom when they want to. You mm-hmm. can't make a flower grow any faster by yelling at it. Mm. Right? Like names have power, names are important, call people by their name. Rule number two, expectation number two is no one leaves without an L. 
No one leaves without taking an L. And everyone's like, isn't an L for loser? And I'm like, an L, an L is only a loss if you don't learn nothing. Every game you play and every day you live is an opportunity to get better. If you, learn, if you don't learn anything, that's your time. That's your waste of time, mm-hmm. right? You wasted that opportunity. I love playing people who are better than me because I'm always going to find some, a weakness in my position. I'm always going to find an opportunity to get better. But before that, this is one thing. That's know, why Earn likes playing me. Not for the rest. <laughs> Heck yeah. Um, you know, one of the things I'm really big on. One of the things I'm really big on people knowing, man, is, is there's two values in losing. One, for those who have worked on themselves, is the reminder that you are not your wins and your losses. Mm. I get chills every time I say that. You are not your wins and your losses. You are valuable just for being alive, just for breathing, just for having existed, just for being human, just for doing the best you can, for blinking, for breathing, for your heart beating. You are valuable and we love you. Right? We are connected. That's how you get to revolution, though. Because if you start, if you reject the idea that you're only valuable when you're like winning or when you're producing something and you reject that idea, that's when, you know, you see the magic. But winning and losing. Yeah. And winning and losing is rooted in scarcity, scarcity and abundance. Like I'm so big on breaking things down to the simple. I said, as animals, we respond to pain and pleasure. Right. In this system, we respond like the worst things that can happen to us is greed and fear. You know, it's duality. Um, and, and so when it comes to winning and losing, you know, one of the phrases that I, I kind of resent now is how many number ones are there? One, right? Immediately, only one person can be number one. That means if there's a thousand people, a thousand, 999 are losers. That's how our system is set up to convince you to attack each other. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, if y'all can learn to reject that, if y'all can learn to push back on this idea that there can only be one person on top, then you will begin to take your mind back. You'll begin to take your control, control back. That's one of the biggest thing I teach my teach the young folk, and and anybody who wants to learn, right? Who wants to to receive what I have to give, is you have to learn to control yourself so no one else can. You have to learn how to control your mind, body, and emotions so no one else can. Mm-hmm. There are PhDs. There are people who spend their entire lives trying to figure out how to control you. Right? Yeah. They they always say that if you can control someone's mind You don't have to worry About their actions mm-hmm. Right And I'm paraphrasing You know I got corrected By the old head The elder The other day He was like You know who actually said that And I'm like Man Who actually said it It's wisdom And wisdom belongs to no one Because it belongs to everyone Right mm-hmm. You can't take what already belongs You can't steal what already belongs to you um, Anyways So Coming all the way back To rule number three Which is Everyone starts somewhere Everyone needs to be ready To be, learn and teach At all times Mm. That, that part of it, it and what I've witnessed in the traditional chess spaces, and again, chess is just a microcosm. It's an example. Uh, it's like a Petri dish for real um, that we can study is that people will be like, yo, you're beginning. I don't want nothing to do with you. And then how does that make you feel if someone who you look up to, you respect, you really admire, you want to be like this, like, yo, I ain't got no time for you because you starting out. A journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. Right. And you can either look back on somebody because they just starting out or you can, you know, just pat yourself on the back and go off on your own. And eventually we know as a people that ain't going to work. Mm. You know, part of and a lot of this is, is subtle messages that on the chessboard, if you don't use all your pieces, I'm going to tear you up. One of the first things you got to learn is that every piece on that pe- on that board is important. Every piece has value. Every piece has a superpower. Every single one. Right, and if you don't use all your pieces, Malcolm, I'm gonna tear you up. That's crazy. <laughs> I use all my pieces, but you got me fucked up. 
do you ever like sit as you're sitting in this space? And I'm, sh- I mean, I'm, I don't know why I asked you ever. I'm sure you have. Um, thinking about how this neighborhood, right, is like changing. And I know you've talked about like the, tra- you know, the traditional chess spaces. Um, there's no sign out there that says who can come in and who can't. So how do you? Do you think about like how you'll evolve in this space? If you have to move it, you will. Will you fight to keep it here? Like, do you ever? Here's me again thinking about the future. Yo, I love how she and, just saved your life. Anxiety. Girl. But. I'm about to come for you, Brett, but it's cool. I think this is a great question. <laughs> hey, we got time, Malcolm. <laughs> me, no, we outside. do got time. Yo, shout out to Dallas. Yeah, I got an extension. Outside. Um, short answer is yes. Uh, that is a tension I had to wrestle with immensely, like consistently. Um, and this is where I fall back on principles. I always tell people there's four layers of chess that you got to learn if you want to go on along the road. One, you got to learn the rules. Again, rules are only as powerful as their enforcement. Uh, second, you learn the principles. Principles are the, the pieces of wisdom that help you make a decision along the way. Mm-hmm. When you get lost, it's your compass, right? Message. Uh, third are tactics. Tactics are the tools, the techniques that you use. Whoa, well, that hit me. My and, bad. You uh, said when you get lost, that's your compass, your principles. Yeah. My bad. Go ahead. That all, was beautiful. Are you straight, man? You talk about me being a poet, bro. Come on. I am uh, not a poet. I don't use that word. I like to combine my emotions and my words. That's all. Uh, fourth is strategy. Strat- you can't have a strategy without a goal. Most people, when it comes to a chessboard, do not know how to navigate the long-term Nature of chess, right? A chess game can last 60 moves, if not more. It can last six, seven hours. The longest game of chess I've ever played was six hours, mm. right? It's very difficult for you to think that long term, which is why one of the, the key elements we talk about is legacy, mm. is beginning with the end in mind. At the end of the game, at the end of the day, what's the result? Mm. And every move you make should be aligned with what you're ultimately trying to achieve. If you lose sight of that, that's where you fall back on your principles. Mm. But most people are not even the strategy. And then when we talk about organizing, we come and talk about coming together. One of the first things that I, we talked about was you have to know how to win. You got to know what a win is. You have to individually and collectively define what a win is for yourself. Mm-hmm. A lot of times we're like, yo, I took all they rooks, right? I took all they pieces. And you still got stalemated. A draw is not a win, yo. Mm. A tie is not a win. And, and you know, we also wrestle with sometimes it's important to win, right? One of my, the quotes right here, uh, you know. It's our duty to fight for our freedom. It's our duty to win. Come on, talk about it, that's right? That's not a There's a reason why that's on that wall. Everything mm-hmm. in here is in chess inspired or chess adjacent, right? That we need to know what a win is. So everything that you're saying as we're talking, I know that we've talked about, we talked about before we started recording about like your work with the youth and it just seems... Like all of these things that you're talking about are so important to instill in our kids at an early age because it's life skills literally going to help them move through this world. Do you find a lot of joy in in doing that? I love seeing the light bulb turn on. Well, I don't even like that phrasing. I love seeing them receive what I have to give. When, I, when I'm working with a group of students and I'm like, we don't move on until everybody gets it because no one gets left behind. Right, I love and I get great joy out of seeing them respond to the collective messaging. In a that's world, that's a really good like mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that's 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 really good. And they can't stand about man. And they can't stand it because it, these proverbs, these principles come true, right? You want to go fast, go alone. Mm. You want to go far, mm. go together. We've heard it thousands of times, but who lives it? Because right. the world is constantly trying to get, <laughs> who the world is constantly trying to get you to go faster. Like that's you know we were talking earlier. And about, the world is trying to take away who we are because really, as black people, we do we. We like to do things together. Yeah. We are communal. The the individualist is not who we are. I mean, that's the reason why we chose to do two whole seasons of this political podcast about black people and black spaces and everything. Because it's like, yo, we're only going to move together. Because it's important and it's the foundation, right, for everything exactly. that we talk about after that. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And even, you know, redefining and, and putting into your own words what politics means. For me, I remember walking on with Ivory through Whitehall. We live out in Whitehall. And, and just processing For me politics is just how you collectively Make decisions and manage resources mm. In any space where you have to Collectively make decisions and manage resources Politics show up mm. And as some of the old heads like to call yeah. it Politics right? <clears throat> and I believe you can't make collective decisions Until you have collective values Until you have collective viewpoints Perspectives that come from different perspectives Because we all have different experiences Right, so for me, this is the the real culture work. What you said, the set of principles, right? Yeah, and that's where I can land at being the chess guy. I finally made peace with it because I'm like, someone has to plant the cultural seeds. Mm. Someone had. I I was talking to young people today about attitude and seeing potential. I'm like, if somebody's not telling y'all that y'all got to take care of yourselves, each other, right? You don't. No one leaves the room until everyone decides that this is our collective legacy. What is a collective? Everyone's so focused on their families and owning their families and owning their. I'm like, no, no, no. What's the collective legacy? Right? What will you leave to the generation? Not your generation. Like, when did we start owning our families? Mm. You are responsible for your family first and you're responsible for the collective, right? You are responsible mm. for both. When does the collective legacy return? It's so wild, bro. Because again, um, just drawing back on our history, like, I remember, you know, when your, your line name being Black Moses and like talking about, you know, how you felt like it was your purpose to lead people. Towards uh, financial wellness and, and make sure that you know financial freedom our only hope so on and so forth. Even though you said you didn't say that, that's just what I remember. But like hearing the words that you're talking about right now, like to me, this is more Mosesy than anything I've ever heard before. You see what I'm saying? It's like yo, we're talking about planting seeds for the future, teaching people that it's okay to think and encouraging them, giving them space to think and to consider like legacy and what comes next. So. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that's part of where the name came from, right? So I'm really big on people getting the name right. The Royal Oak Initiative, yeah, right? The original name, you know, I'm, I'm not going to get too deep into the story, but I had an existential crisis, a crucible moment. Um, one of my darkest moments in, in dark meaning we can't see, right? Not dark in, in the modern sense. Like one of my darkest moments where I couldn't see nothing. I was really, um, I was at the end of my choice. I like the, the Matrix quote, like we can't see beyond the choices we haven't made, right? But I was at the end point and then I woke up from that. And that's when this whole vision, this whole new path developed. And I was like, man, I need to develop bridges. I need to start building bridges between cultures. That, that I never put it in those words, but that's what happened, right? And this idea of also honoring who I was and, and identifying where, what we haven't done the full work of based on the results. Right, that a lot of old heads were like, y'all don't know who you are. We ha- we forgot our cultural norms. If I put a picture of twenty historical figures from Black history, most of the young folk, and I'm including anyone young who's not an elder, like period, mm-hmm. 
couldn't name all those people, right? So the original, the name of the organization was the Return to Royalty. And then the second part, I remember I was in the training and, and I heard that the mightiest of oaks come from the smallest of acorns. And I just did, you know, being super intense intellectually, I did a super deep dive into the metaphor of an oak tree. And that's where the royal oak came from. It's a reminder that we are all royal by nature, that we are all abundant by nature. And anyone who tries to convince you that scarcity is natural, scarcity is your normal, is your enemy. Is the acronym just as intentional or what's that like oh, for sure. just happenstance? Everything in, in the ROI space is intentional, man. So ROI is the short term. It's the, you know, the, a lot of people know it's return on investment. Uh, the layers is crazy. So ROI is yeah, actually wow. how, you, how, how you spell king in French. Oh, shit. I'm not going to try to pronounce it. Le croix, right? Some, somewhere along those lines. Uh, I remember just like searching ROI on Instagram one day and like Lion King kept popping up, but it was always like in French. I'm like, damn, wait a second. Let me look into this. That's opportunity, right? Find out ROI is how you spell king in French. That's wild. Um, and then, you know, it was just this idea of an investment, the idea of sacrifice, that you can't sacrifice something that's most important to you. Because sacrifice is giving up what's important for something that's more important, mm-hmm. right? We never, mm-hmm. we never right. lose sight of what's most important to us, but most people have not really wrestled with their true nature, figure out what's truly important. You know, one of the things that always helps balance me is will this matter in a thousand years? Mm. You know, in your everyday, do you ask yourself that question? When I need to get a reminder, like mm-hmm. if, if I didn't regulate the way you saw me regulating earlier, I probably would have had to pull back and like hit a park at, you know, if it was cool with, with my lady, like hit a park at 10 o'clock or just go in the backyard yeah. and you stare at the stars. Mm-hmm. Right. I love just looking at the stars because they, some of the light we're seeing from these stars are, are from stars that don't no longer exist in their, in their previous form. Mm-hmm. Right, some of these stars have transitioned and we're just now catching the light because they're millions of light years away. Will what you're doing now matter in a thousand years? Will the problems that you're stressing about now matter in a thousand years? Will the things that you're worried about now matter in a thousand years? For anyone who's really studied- It's a good perspective. Yeah. It's a perspective. Um, it can be really heavy and like counterproductive sometimes. But if, for, for folks who have studied black history, you know, going all the way back to before we were black, before black existed, before black even existed as a word, mm-hmm. right? It, we just were. And we responded to the sun. We responded to nature. We swore we were given with the gift of our beautiful dark skin, right? 6,000 years ago. And we're still talking about them to this day, mm. right? On a, on a wall over there, it says we are kings and queens. Like it's, it, well, it, it just says kings and queens from ancient Egypt. We were always kings and queens before scarcity began, right? Well, it seems like if you know your history, right? And you know that like black wasn't always a thing. You... You can get to like personal freedom quicker by saying like at one point we just were, we like just were. We were just allowed to exist, right? Yeah, yeah. And right. know that that's like our true, like we that is our birthright, right? Mm-hmm. So thanks I, for saying that. Yeah, no, for sure. I always tell people I'm always going. I'm only going to be as black for as long as I need to be. At some point, I'll just be human with dark skin. Bruh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like. Yeah, like somebody just told me, um, I mean, you know, Juneteenth, July 4th, all that just passed. It's like, well, you make everything about race. And I'm like, well, nigga, for now, everything is about race. I'm so <laughs> yeah, sorry. Right. Until bro. it's not, it is. And yeah. I'm not sorry. Yeah, right. Bro. I hope you didn't say I'm so sorry because I don't care. Well, it was sarcastic. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, I wasn't really sorry. I know. And then I pressed the nigga, you feel me? What a white nigga. Oh, but. my goodness. Oh, we're not even going to get into that. <laughs> but yeah, no, it, it's, it's interesting. Like, just, just zooming out is one of the biggest things that I think we need as a, as a people. And this is where. You know, part of my regulation and part of the space is 
understanding the role you play is very specific role. Even this podcast, like this is easily for me, the most relevant podcast in the city. In, in the county, in the state. That's crazy. Right? Easily the most relevant, right? Because of the way you're going about doing it, right? It's, oh, man, that's crazy. You know, <laughs> it, it's facts, right? Like, um, it, you know, we think about the Black Men Build uh, magazine theme from the last edition. It's like head in the sky, feet on the ground. Like, that's what y'all are. Mm. Y'all are very locked in on the vision. Y'all can fly the bird. But one of the things that saved me, man, one of the things that saved me was you have to have the wisdom to land before you run out of fuel. Right? Yeah. Like crash landing is not a lifestyle. It is not sexy. I don't glorify struggle. I'm cool on that. All of it. Facts. You know what I'm saying? So for y'all- It's not sexy, bruh. It's not sexy to crash land. Like burning out is a thing of the past. I don't glorify burnout. I'm cool on grind culture. Rest is resistance. Uh, Right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? If y'all don't follow the nap ministry- the nap ministry. Instagram. Come on, the nap ministry. Talk about it. Now there are um, a lot of Instagram pages that I would not recommend people to follow, but that one is definitely like it, it will keep you grounded and just like remembering to rest and again remembering that it is our right. Like we did a whole show on that. I don't know if you listened to it, but we recently just did a show on rest as resistance, and so I love that you said that. Like. Reject grind culture. Reject it. Scarcity is survival. There's so many things out here designed to kill us, right? Like, Facts. why kill yourself by why? Why like assist that? You know Autocide. What I mean? Yeah, that's the biggest thing. If I can convince you to kill yourself, I, my hands are clean. Wait, wait. What'd you call it? Autocide. Yeah. yeah. What's it? Yeah, you just like taught me something. What is that? I'm just regurgitating things that've been put in. Like. Well, and the, la- the the other thing I wanted to say about that too, because I think it's important, is that I think that like men, and I'm going to talk specifically about black men, are always taught that like their only contribution to their family can be like what they can provide, and yeah. so they so like y'all do buy into this whole grind culture thing because you're taught that your only worth is what you can provide for your family, when really like we we seeing you know elders younger folks dying off because of this almighty pursuit of like mm-hmm. things when really like the best way you can provide for your family is to just like be present and rested and like yeah y'all know I um I regurgitate lyrics often one of the ones that I always like, just go back to it's like I work eight days a week I don't even know what the fuck today is right mm. and then more recently over the last like five or six years I think about J. Cole, he's like, you know, how long will I survive with this mentality? You know, because if you don't take that second to regulate, if I could borrow a word from you, Ernest, it, it will spiral out of control and you will like burn out. I think that I said this in the previous episode, I'm at a space now where when I hit a wall and I feel like I'm done, and I don't care what else has to be done for that day. Like, yo, it can wait. Even the stuff that can't wait, it can wait. It can be done tomorrow. Um, I got people in my family that died at work. Mm. You know what I mean? Like they spent their whole life struggling and and they just dropped dead at work. And then they were replaced. And they were and replaced. And then they were replaced. They were replaced. Yeah. And the thing is, is that then, you know, I see that that pattern continue in the family of people just working themselves to death, working themselves to death. And I didn't talk about, you know, I, I'm talking about black men because I think that y'all have to support each other. Yeah. And like not doing that. So I love the the work that is going on with black men build because it has to be this 
collective of black men that provide support to each other. And there are other places, of course, like within the city that do that. But um, I just think it's so important. I think the intention is the most important. Like what you say yeah. we're trying to do here. Because like, a lot of people like, I want to free us. I want us to be better. Like want to lift black people out of the struggle something that keeps coming up for me over the last couple days is this idea of like organizing and the organizations that you have to be that you are a part of don't have to be perfect like yeah that's true too struggle in it together like Mm -hmm. of course there are like problematic things that happen that you know you may not want to be a part of that you have have to reject yeah reject but like it don't have to be perfect man that's that's been the reason why like i a lot of people listen to this podcast. I gotta be careful about what I say, but fuck it. You know what I mean? We here. Like, I have to think about it often. I, I, we've had conversations about like where I work at. And yeah, I always come back to like, well, the reason why I'm here is because this is where I'm supposed to be at right now. And the work that I'm doing is impactful. And the mark that I'm leaving while I'm here is also impactful too. It's important. And I feel like the job's not done yet for me to leave. And that doesn't mean that it's perfect. It doesn't mean that it's okay, even like some of the things that um, like be happening and whatnot. But it does mean that, like, when it gets to a point happening. where it's a violation of your core principles and yeah. you know what you need to do, that's what you've been talking about. Your this compass, whole, yeah, your yeah. your your compass, exactly. Right? Like, what does that what does that mean for you? Yeah, so. and I'm gonna give you props, man, because what I tell a lot of folk in the chess world who are like, yo, I want to get better, I'm like. You know you can move from being an intermediate player to an advanced player when you can learn to sit with tension. Mm. That's why it's literally chess, not checkers. I, mean, I grew up playing checkers online, and when you, when you play official rules of che- checkers, if you can take a piece, you have to. Mm. Those are official rules. In the world of chess, which is a little bit more sim- you know, resembling of life, you don't have to just because you can. <laughs> Yo, oh shit, bro. That was crazy. Oh, man. <laughs> When you can learn to sit with, like, oh, early on, I know a beginner, if I can't take it, I will, right? That's why gambits work. That's why discount, I don't believe in paying for discounts. Man, 10% off. Bro, why is it always 10% off? Because I know that if you can, you will, right? Like, at some point, you get to a point where you realize you can sit with tension. You can understand, like, not everything to your point has to be perfect. Yo, that's crazy. And then you move to the advance. That's why I say Malcolm's one of the few people that I know personally who can move in different spaces. And I can disagree with you. Some of my values may not even be aligned with you, but I can hold space for that tension because mm-hmm. there's still purpose in being here. I need to know you because I'm going to need you for the work we're about to do. When mm-hmm. the enemy shows up, we're going to look the same. I need you to know who I am. I need you to know my name. I need to know what's important. I need you to not question my decision when we, when we get down to it. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and some of this is romanticizing the struggle, right? Like I read about, some of my friends used to joke, like if, if someone ain't gunning for you, you ain't really doing shit, right? Like, Bruh. and I was like, man, I reject that fully. I want to live. I, I operate. You still feel that way? I operate, no, the way I just said, oh no, no, I operate in abundance, right? It's the difference between a soldier and a warrior, you know, like, and, and you know, not to disrespect anyone who identifies as either, but one of the things that, one of my principles is a soldier gets paid to fight. A warrior fights for their lifestyle, mm. right? Not disrespecting either one, but like, oh, and the other quote that always sits with me is it's better to be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war. Right, mm-hmm. <laughs> right. It's a lifestyle to fight for what you what you believe, and it's a fight. It's a lifestyle to 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 sacrifice what's less important for that's that's most important. That shit fire, bro. 
Well, another great episode. <laughs> Let me ask you real quick before we wrap up. You. Um, here at the Four Seasons, you didn't talk about the Four Seasons, man. You know what I mean? Um, but I got you. I could do the quick. How do um, like it, it, if people want to come here, patronize it? Like, how does it work? Like, how does this serve as a community space? Yep, yep, yep. So the Cooperative Chess Cultural Center, right? Every word is intentional. Cooperative, we work together. Uh, chess, obviously, work your mind. Cultural, we're trying to. It's whatever you do collectively, consistently. Right, and then center, uh, it's not a club, right? This is just a space for us to gather, it's the commons. Um, if you wanna plug into the fork. Oh shit, see I said it wrong. Look no, it, it's all good, man, I got you. We call it the fork just because I like, it's, it's emotions and words. Uh, I like to play on words and, and, and everything we talked about earlier. But uh, yeah, to plug into the fork, um, we're still powered by the Royal Oak Initiative. You can hit us up at the theroychess.org. Uh, again, shout out to Ohio State. Uh, the even though I don't know if I got to say that because they trademarked that shit. That's crazy. <laughs> anyway. Hey, come on, bro. You're going to get the suit, man. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. I'm, that was a stab, but whatever. That's um, why I'm called Kappa Chapter, bro. Oh, Lordy. If we get sued, that does mean somebody's gunning for us, like you just said, which, hey. Look, that's how you, if you ain't got no haters, you ain't doing something. Right. Um, anyways, so I'd rather not be sued. <laughs> Yo, just for the record, you're out there. Don't take that as a challenge. I know. We've had attorneys on this show. We'd be fine. That's I right. can't stand y'all. Anyways, uh, the R they don't own the article. The R Y Chess T H E R Y Chess dot org. Also, same on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. The R Y Chess. Um, you know, it's short for the Royal Oak Initiative mm. and Chess because, in fact, play on words. If you say it quickly, it spells the righteous. Oh shit! Yeah, this the whole part of the underlying element we talking about spirituality and breaking from religion. We didn't even get into that, but uh, is it, oaks of righteousness, mm. right? Creating oaks of righteousness. Isaiah sixty one one through three is my favorite scripture. Yeah, this is Run a nigga that, that read the Bible, bro. <laughs> you Ninety days, man. Three times cover to cover, right? Um, Talk nice. Little forty five minutes to an hour a day of just getting in there. Um, mm. I was in Korea reading it. I was in Ghana reading it. Like just. Consistent. Anyway, Are you a Christian? I don't identify as a Christian. Mm-hmm, me neither. I don't think Jesus did either. Yeah, <laughs> gang, gang. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm a seeker of truth and wisdom in all things. And I believe that uh, there are things before us in our understanding. There are things after us in our understanding. My goal is yeah. to find that truth. Mm. I think Christianity is a door, a portal into truth. I think Islam is a portal into truth, I think. Mm -hmm. All things can be because there's wisdom, there's spirituality, there's truth in all things. Mm. And they're centering for some people. Oh, for sure. Each of the the, uh, religions that you mentioned. Which I think you can find a lot of things when you get to that space, right? I don't knock it for anybody. Yeah. I like that word, center, over club. I think that... You didn't say, you said fork is more poetic, but like why? Is it because like the fork in the road... Everything or yeah, fork in the road. It's also a tactic, you know. Knight forks are the most well known. Family fork is when you can take a queen, a king. A, a knight moves in the L for those who haven't played before, and so knights are also very. Oh, tr- this is a chess term. Oh, a chess tactic. Yeah, my god. Keep oh shit! Listen, I've been using. I don't know what it's called. Nah, it's all good. Like if you think about a fork in the road, you got you know one path leads into multiple. Right, mm-hmm. that's the idea. So on a chess board, a knight can be threatening multiple pieces at the same time. And any piece can fork, any piece can fork, but knights are the most uh, infamous for forking. So yeah, yeah okay. it's a chess tactic, which they, we can accomplish multiple things at the same time. Mm. That's the intention. And also you got to make wise decisions because once you go, 
<laughs> once you go forward, you can't go back. I was about to say, once you go black, you can't go back. But <laughs> you know, unless you're a bishop, bishops are consistent. Definitely appreciate you. You know, what I mean, sharing this hour with us. So you dropped so many gems, bro. <laughs> like, yeah, this is a great. This is a in a sequence of really informative and insightful episodes. So and we're just grateful. Thank you. Honestly, I don't know if I should say this on the podcast or whatever, but like just listening to you talk. It, it really shows how um, important this season was and last season. Like it, it's almost a perfect like bow to tie, you know, yeah. on these yeah. two seasons or whatever. Because we can say it was important. Yeah, you know, it, it just yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I'm, I'm grateful for y'all, man. It's again, y'all are doing the work. Y'all are doing the real work of reaching the people who are not being reached right now. Mm. You know, just a quick side note into politics. You look at voter turnout, like less than 15%. Mm. That 10% of the city is making decisions for 90% of the city. It's crazy. Mm. But it's because people aren't reaching people authentically. They're not reaching people at their human level, and y'all are. So yeah. keep up the work. Thank you so much. Appreciate you, bro. Thanks, dog. All right, we'll talk to y'all soon. Thanks for listening to Columbus Can't Wait, y'all. And before we go, we want to acknowledge that we are on the traditional territory of hundreds of different indigenous tribes and nations, including the Hopewell, Adena, Miamia, Shawanwaki, Shawnee, and Kaskaskia. Indigenous people are still here, and we want to acknowledge that we are on their land and recording this podcast. Have a good night, y'all.